0: Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today, we continue reading through our Old Testament hymnal with Psalm 135. Praise Yahweh, praise the name of Yahweh. Give praise, O servants of Yahweh, who stand in the house of Yahweh, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise Yahweh, for Yahweh is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. For Yahweh has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. For I know that Yahweh is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever Yahweh pleases, he does, in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. He it was who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both man and beast, Who in your midst, O Egypt, sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants, who struck down many nations and killed mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to his people Israel? Your name, O Yahweh, endures forever, your renown, O Yahweh, throughout all ages. For Yahweh will vindicate his people." and have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. O house of Israel, bless Yahweh, O house of Aaron, bless Yahweh, O house of Levi, bless Yahweh, you who fear Yahweh, bless Yahweh, and blessed be Yahweh from Zion, who dwells in Jerusalem, praise Yahweh. This is the word of the Lord. Another one of our psalms that begins with and ends with praise Yahweh to give praise is to lift up his name to give him thanks for what he has done and this psalm encourages us to do just that to focus on what he has done both in the old sense of times before long before us but also what he's done directly that impacts us each and every one of us of any generation any point in history so praise the name of Yahweh Give praise servants of Yahweh. It would be all of his people. In the next verse, will specifically reference those who worship in God's house, the house of Yahweh, the courts of his house. It's going to refer to the Levitical tribe who serve as not just priests, although some of them do, but also musicians and gatekeepers and so forth. Those who serve in the Lord's house praise God. Just them? No, again, O servants of Yahweh, Yahweh has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. Jacob being renamed Israel after wrestling with God in the book of Genesis. God chose Jacob and his descendants after him to be his treasured possession, his holy people. Why? Well, he chose them out of all the nations in order that all the nations would see and that they would know him. As I was thinking about that, actually, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 came to mind, and it's not necessarily anywhere near the context. But Paul is writing about division in the church, and as he writes to the Corinthians, he says in verses 18 and 19, In the first place, when you come together as a church... I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. So because there are divisions in the church, as an outsider looks on, or even somebody who simply seeks to study scripture looks at these groups they're going to recognize which group is following the teaching of the faith and which is following the teaching of their own doing and there's good in this paul says that the one who is faithful will be recognized there is division here with what we just saw in the psalm the way the lord has treated the peoples of the earth in that he has separated out one particular group of people in order that as the world sees God care for them, fight for them, defend them, bless them, so forth, that the world would recognize God's greatness and that they would seek him. That seeing his care for Israel will make them want to be cared for in the same way. This is the Christian role as well this day. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16, this is what Jesus is teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount. That as we are the salt of the earth, light of the world, city on a hill, we're not here to do whatever we want for ourselves. We have been set apart, chosen, in order that the people around us will see our good works and they will give glory to God the Father. Who is in heaven that is they will share faith with us when they see us serving christ they'll see how our life is different and that it's a good thing praise yahweh for yahweh is good even his name is pleasant that's a fun one the idea of his name being pleasant Well, simply because of his name being the name of God, and it's a beautiful thing then because we know God. We have that relationship with him, but also the meaning of the name, Yahweh. He is, in Hebrew, it is a confession of our faith. Come to the New Testament, Yahweh disappears as the divine name and is replaced instead by Jesus, which means he saves. God's name is good because it confesses faith. It is a beautiful thing. Verse 5, I know that Yahweh is great, that our Lord is above all gods. There is no other God, as we'll see in the latter part of the psalm, down in verse 15. So it's not hard to be above the rest, but he is. And this is first commandment stuff, that we should have no other gods before him. And yet we do. So the psalmist recognizing the greatness of God. And then verse 6, whatever Yahweh pleases, he does. That's power right there. That is used negatively in the book of Daniel to refer to some of the kings in history. that They were doing whatever they pleased. It's used negatively at the end of the book of Judges that the people of Israel were doing whatever they pleased, whatever was right in their own eyes. But here of God, well, because he's God and he is good, this is simply reality. This is truth. But he is king of all. And so, yes, he truly can do whatever he wants, wherever he wants to do it. He it is who makes the clouds, Lightning? Wind? Again, God is creator making all of these things. I really appreciate the picture of the wind being stored up in storehouses. The Lord just kind of opens the door and out it rushes. Right? He sends it forth. It's a nice picture. We go back to the book of Exodus and then the wilderness wanderings with the next paragraph, striking down the firstborn in Egypt. That's the tenth and final plague. Verse 9. Who in your midst, O Egypt, sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants? This connects very specifically to Exodus chapter 7, verse 5, where God actually tells us the purpose of the plagues. The Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh, when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. So the purpose of the plagues, sometimes called miracles in that book, is the faith of the Egyptians. A large part. I mean, think of the context and how things play out that the Egyptians have all these plagues start happening to them, and that their false gods cannot save them from these things, even though many of these plagues, maybe all of them, seem to attack specific false gods of Egypt. The Nile is almost viewed as a god, Pharaoh viewed as a god, the sun god, and you've got the plague of darkness. And these things, these gods can't fight back. And yet, Israel, God's people, they live in isolation in a place called Goshen. And when you get after the first few plagues, the rest of the plagues don't hit Goshen. Egypt's gods can't save them, but Israel's God can, and he does. And he does. So, again, the plagues have that intentionality behind them. God announces it before it even happens. And when Israel leaves Egypt, some of the Egyptians do go with them. So, who in your midst though Egypt sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants? None of your gods could. There's only one God, and he is great. Struck down many nations, killed mighty kings, that gets to verse 11, where God has destroyed Sihon and Og, Numbers chapter 21, you can read about them. And the kingdoms of Canaan, that would be the book of Joshua. As God drives out and destroys the various tribes that lived in the promised land in order to give it to his own people. Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Amorites, Jebusites, Girgashites. I feel like I'm missing one in there. There's usually a list of seven. God drove them out. God rescued, God redeemed his people. And he gave them that land as their inheritance, heritage, possession forever. Verse 13, your name, O Yahweh, endures forever. Your renown, your fame, your, what you've done throughout all generations, all ages. That's true, right? Here we are, over 2,000 years later, and we know these things. The Lord's renown, his deeds are still known. Verse 14 For Yahweh will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. To vindicate, to justify, to defend, to clear of accusation and shame and wrong. Powerful word. And you can take this in the Exodus context again that God did. He defended his people, he had compassion on them, he brought them out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery which is how the Ten Commandments start, Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. But we can see it in our own day, too, that the Lord has vindicated all of us. And that becomes the family conversation I have for you with this particular psalm. As vindicate can be described as clearing of accusation, who accuses us? That would be Satan. That's literally his name. It means accuser. He accuses us. He accuses us of our sin before God, holding that sin above us. But he also does it directly at us. How can God forgive you for this? God can't forgive you for this. You've done too much evil. So, how has God cleared us of Satan's accusations? That would be the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Just as Genesis 3.15 said, the first promise of a Savior right when sin came, that God would send one who would crush the serpent's head and the serpent would bite his heel. So the devil struck at Jesus on the cross, thought he was killing him, thought he was destroying God, and yet in that very moment, Satan's power is undone. His power over you was the accusation, and you've been vindicated, you have been cleared. That accusation is gone, it is no longer good, it is no longer true. Satan's lost. This is good news. The rest of the psalm actually ends up being quite a repetition from Psalm 115. Verses 15 to 18 here go very well with verses 4 to 8 from that previous psalm, Uh, The account of idols, being of nothing. They're made by human hands, and even though they may look like a person, having mouth, eyes, ears, and so forth, they don't do anything. They can't speak, see, hear. It's all worthless. It's all empty. It's all in vain. And then verse 18, those who make them become like them. That is, worthless and in vain. They, They just, they're dead. They're breathless. They're they're lost. I made the case back in Psalm one hundred fifteen, and I'll just echo it now: that the idols that we have today, made by our hands, are becoming more sophisticated. They're still fake. They're still false. But they are starting to make sound. We have technology that can watch, and we have technology that can speak. They're idols. And they are destructive, so be on your guard. The devil's prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. His accusations may be done, but he hasn't given up. Then the last paragraph fits again with Psalm 115, as well as Psalm 118, that group these three together, the house of Israel, house of Aaron, and those who fear Yahweh. This psalm adds in the house of Levi, so that's a new one. So House of Israel is going to go back to verse 4, this chosen people God has taken for himself, in contrast with those who fear Yahweh, which is not just Israel, but anyone from the world. So again, the idea that God chose them out of the earth so that all the other people would see and come to know how great God is and follow him by seeing how he cares for his people. Those other nations who come now, they're included here in verse 20. House of Aaron refers to the priest, House of Levi, to those who care for the house of God. All of these. Pastor, layperson, whatever your role, bless Yahweh. That is, give thanks to God for what he has done. Blessed be Yahweh from Zion, he who dwells in Jerusalem. So thanks be to God. He dwells with us. Emmanuel, God with us, Isaiah 7's promise. This is most certainly true. And so we praise God. We give him thanks for all that he has done.